Good morning. It is a great honor to be able to address all of you right now. I have been privileged to pastor First Church for 32 years, but I can honestly say I don't remember a week when I've been more excited to see the way the church has functioned than I have this, this week. It, it's, it's really been amazing to watch how these people have just taken care of one another. And uh, the response to our Bible study Wednesday was overwhelming. We were flabbergasted with how many people chose to join us, how many people have viewed that site since then. The Bible study for our young people Friday, our children's ministry people developing lessons that can be watched at home by the children has been a, just a great success. And uh, today we have not just this church family, but now multiple congregations that have opted to use this site as a means to encourage their people. And so I am not just greeting First Church people, but I am greeting people across this nation and around the world. And so we welcome you here and we trust the music and the worship has lifted you up and now we're believing the word will feed you. God bless every one of you. Isaiah 40 and verse 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So I just want to give you a simple lesson this morning with a few instructions about what to do while you are waiting. It's possible in college to audit a course. I was interested in doing this recently and uh, found out some information about a school that I wanted to be a part of, but I can't go there physically. And uh, so I, I wanted to audit some of their classes. And uh, it's a very unique because it's like you, um, you want the information, but uh, not necessarily the responsibility. It's like I, uh, I don't want the homework. I don't want the exams. I want the information, but I don't want the experience. You may be able to do that in college. But uh, you can't do that in life. I, I see that often in pastoring. There are lots of people that visit this church. And they sit in our services and they listen to the word. But they don't plan on doing the work. They like to hear people preach and teach. And they enjoy the presentation that we give and offer on a weekly basis. But many of them balk at living for the Lord. For some time, the threefold cord of this local church has been, first of all, fall in love with the Lord, then learn his word. And after learning that word, it's time to live the life. In college, when you audit a course, you hear the information, but you don't get the credit. And it's possible to hear the word and not do the word. You might be inspired, but you'll never be changed. The transformational power of the word of God is only possible 
when it's coupled with the obedience of faith. It's been my contention for many years now that too many Christians are educated far beyond their level of involvement. It's what some industries refer to as prolonged conduct lag. (laughs) They know, but they don't do the word. Today, we're going to the sixth church that the Lord spoke to through John. Philadelphia, uh, to most people, is just a city in Pennsylvania. But uh, if you're a Bible student, you know that it was a Christ-centered fellowship located in what today is Turkey. This is what it says in Revelation 3 and 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Jesus is holy and true. (laughs) Uh, let Let me talk to you for a moment about the word holy. Holy, that word holy is very, very close to that word peculiar that's found in 1 Peter 2 and 9 when it says we are peculiar people. It doesn't mean we're odd or strange, but it, it does mean precious possession, owned by one. And um, holiness is very similar to that. Let, let, me, let me give you the example of the dishes in, uh, in Renee and Harold's house. In, in our house, um, uh, there, there are three places where we have dishes. Uh, there are dirty dishes that are uh, in the dishwasher. And then there are the uh, everyday dishes that are on the shelves that are taken down frequently for our meals. And then there's that display case on the wall with the glass doors. And those plates and those bowls only come out for special occasions. You see, Jesus is like that. Jesus is saying, don't you ever put me with the filthy and the unclean. And I don't ever want to be called common. I intend to live in a special place. He said, I am holy, separate, unique, one of a kind. Listen to this verse. It's in Isaiah 40 and verse 25. God said, to whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One. (laughs) God said in Isaiah 40 and 25, he is the Holy One. Jesus, in Revelation 3 and 7, told John, I am holy and I am true. So Jesus is declaring, I am that one holy God. I am that I am. I'm, I'm not just one of many. Let me explain something to you. Moses was, was wrestling with the Lord because God had asked him to go back to Egypt and um, tell Pharaoh to let those people loose. And finally, Moses said, they're going to want to know who's behind all of this. 
who, who should I say is sending me and wants this to happen? And there's this amazing verse that says, you tell Pharaoh, I am that I am. I'm not just any I am. I am a very specific I am. There are phrases like that through the Bible. For instance, when Peter was speaking on Pentecost, he said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. I always love that phrase, this is that, because your this needs to have a that. And, and if what you're doing now, if your this doesn't have precedent, if it doesn't have a that, you, you need to look at it very, very closely. And it's very similar to this phrase, I am that I am. Because multiple times in the Bible, it says, I am the Lord. Here's Deuteronomy 32 and verse 39. See now that I, even I, am he. Because when you deal with the Lord, he uses this phrase, am, am. And uh, uh, it says, I'm the God that was, the God that is, the God that is to come, all at the same time. So Jesus is presently in the past, presently in the present, presently in the future, all at the same time. <laughs> he lives in an eternally present condition. He just am. He just am. And I, in Psalms 46, it says, be still and know that I am God. He told Mary, Mary was very mad at him, but he told Mary in John 11, when Lazarus was dead, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The woman at the well, he said, I that speak unto thee am he. I love this verse. Here's John 8 and 58. Jesus told his disciples before Abraham was, I am. In Matthew 16, Jesus pulled his disciples and he said, whom say ye that I am? And Peter, of course, with that revelatory expression, you're the Christ. I know who you really are. You're that I am. In John 19 and verse 21, then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am <laughs> king of the Jews. They were so foolish, trying so hard to deny him that they actually exalted him even higher by adding the phrase, I am, to the superscription above his cross. <laughs> I, I, I'm not just holy, he said, I am true. Now that's very important, ladies and gentlemen, because anything that contradicts him is a lie and can't be trusted. Because he didn't just say, I have the truth. He said, I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. And so when he says this, that means he's the standard. He is the thing against which everything else is going to be measured. So it doesn't matter who told us what we're listening to. If it doesn't agree with what the truth said, it's false. 
And then he said something powerful. He told John, I have the key of David. There's a fascinating group of verses in Isaiah 22. In Isaiah 22, 15 through 25, it tells the story about a servant named Shebna who usurped his position and he built a big tomb for himself, put his name on the tomb. And uh, the prophet was very, very angry at him and uh, basically told Shebna, you're going to be replaced. And uh, it says that he was going to be replaced by someone whose name was Eliakim. And in Isaiah, it says, Eliakim was given the key of David, the key of David. So listen to these verses in 22 and 23. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder so he shall open and none shall shut and he shall shut and none shall open and I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. When you talk about keys in the word, you're talking about two things. You're talking about access and you're talking about authority. So when he uses this phrase, I have the key of David, he is actually saying no place is off limits to me. He has access to all places. And when he gets there, he has authority over anyone that may show up when he gets there. He doesn't just have access, he has authority. Notice the order of the word, that first he can open whatever he wants to. So he has access. And when he gets there, he can shut it so effectively that no one can ever open that door again. <laughs> I, I wish I had time to talk to you about in type how someone built a great tomb for themselves because you see tombs are the region under the earth. We're talking about, talking about death and hell now. And in time past, there was someone who was asked to be a servant. Instead, it said he wanted to exalt himself above the most high. Whenever something starts with E-L, in the scripture, L, take, per, give it particular attention because it's a contraction of Elohim. And it's not by chance that Eliakim was the one who replaced Shebna because Eliakim means God is going to establish. And just as in Isaiah's story, there was someone established by God who went to the lower regions of the earth and stripped the key from the one who was exalting himself and walked away not just with a key, but with the key, the master, the master key. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life, but he also said, I am the door. See, I'm a hillbilly kid, and in hillbilly speak, he was saying that, that uh, I ain't just the key, uh, I'm the door that the key goes into. <laughs> no wonder Colossians talks about it's all in him. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him. I had a magnificent elder that I deeply loved named Tom Fred Tenney. 
He passed not long ago, but I heard him tell a story how that he was talking about the mighty God in Christ. And a lady told him after service, I get it now. You, you think Jesus is the whole cheese. To which Tom Fred Teddy responded, oh, it's bigger than that. I don't just believe he's the whole cheese. I believe he'd be the box that the cheese comes in. <laughs> Do you get it? No one has the key that Jesus has. So quit fretting and worrying about all these people that you're afraid are gonna lock you up. He's the door. And if that isn't enough, if someone tries to use your Jesus to keep you contained, he's got the key to that door. So all authority, he said, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Not just in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty here and now. I've got all authority. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates, not gate, gates of hell will not prevail. Why? Because he's got the key. <laughs> he opens and no one can shut. See, hell couldn't keep him out at Calvary. And hell still can't keep him out. See, Satan doesn't even have the key to his own front door. Pastor, I hear people, I'm going through hell. Well, you know what I say to that? For goodness sakes, don't stop there. Keep going and go through it and get on the other side. That, that's, that's why he gave Peter the keys. Keys, plural. See, the Lord has the master key, but he gave keys to Peter. That master key belongs to him. It's like, you ever, you ever you have a safe deposit box? You got a key and a banker's got a key. And uh, I, I've been fascinated with submarines for years. We have two kinds of submarines in the fleet. We have hunter killers. They're smaller, they're really big, but they're smaller in comparison to the, to the next kind of submarine. Hunter killers are designed to follow and shadow enemy submarines. So in the event of a war, they could take out that submarine. But then there are submarines called boomers. Uh, the sailors refer to it as Sherwood Forest because in a part of that submarine, there are massive tubes, rows of them. And inside of these tubes are intercontinental ballistic missiles with multiple warheads. And they can strike multiple targets. And literally within a submarine, one submarine has the ability to destroy the civilized world. And, uh, but on those subs, there are fail-safes. And one of the fail-safes that are implemented in nuclear submarines is the captain has a key and the XO, the executive officer, he has a key. And you have to have both keys to release the power. No wonder the word says no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And I'll tell you why. Because the enemy doesn't have the other key. See, if you want to have access to the riches of heaven, you can't access this by yourself. Your key has to be compatible with his. Or how about this? Oh, God, do this for me. Quit expecting him to do it all when we so often ignore the key 
which the Bible calls is a measure of faith he has given to every one of us. Listen to this verse. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. I wish I had time to give you a Bible lesson about how many times in the word his power was either released or withheld, predicated on someone's response of faith or doubt. He will share his authority with us if we are consistent with him. See, he's the truth. We have to be consistent with him. You can't use this world's key to unlock heaven. And I'll be honest with you, I've seen people go crazy over a roll of toilet paper. (laughs) He said, I could shut and no one can open. Don't you get it? People don't have the final say. The God of this world right now wants to hold you hostage. Let me quote you a verse. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. I have Bible for the God that we serve has the key to every life and he can let everybody go free. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. You have a little strength, but you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. If you're gonna go through this time right now, you're gonna have to be in that word and you can't be ashamed of his name. You may think like these people did, they have very little strength. But the Lord said, I have opened this door for you, not because you're big and powerful, but because you obey my word and you're not ashamed. Talk about the Lord all you want. Talk about God all you want. It's not at the name of the Lord all knees will bow. It's at the name of Jesus all knees will bow. If you're ashamed of Jesus, then you can forget about open doors. He's going to say, open them yourself. It's not going to happen. We are taping testimonies from this church. In the weeks to come, you're going to hear from people on our site that uh, you've never heard speak publicly at this church. Because if you have never seen the Lord open a door when there was no way, you have missed an amazing opportunity. There's nothing like seeing the hand of God when it looked like you had no power and there was nothing that you could do and all of a sudden he just shows up and shows off and displays his power. You didn't have the notoriety, you didn't have the money, you didn't have the education, but you did have him. (laughs) Nothing will make Jesus more real to you then when he opens up something, you are powerless to open on your own. I've been blessed to go to a lot of places. I I speak at various venues. The truth is very few times do I go to a conference or a special meeting that I'm not one of the speakers, if not the main speaker. But you see, I was raised by Harry Nestor who drilled it into me. Don't you ever look down on people. 
Because on my best day, ladies, on my best day, I'm just a mud ball saved by a merciful master. And that's regardless of who you are. Stay small. Don't ever think you deserved it or you made it happen. But in all things, give thanks. I have something in common with Nancy Pelosi. I've never met Nancy Pelosi, but I do have something in common with her. I pray for the president all the time. Have you noticed lately there's a new president in town? Seems to me. I mean, think of it. This is a guy that, that went to great schools, conquered the most difficult real estate in the world. In New York City, they don't sell it by the acre. They sell land by the square foot. When Trump built Trump Towers, he had to buy the air rights from Tiffany's Jewelers because his building was going to be so tall, he was going to block out Tiffany's view and possibly block out some of the sun that would come into their store. And so Trump not only had to buy the real estate to build the building on, he had to build buy the air rights into the air in which his building was going to be built. And he conquered what I think is probably the most difficult real estate market in the world. And then he'd never been on TV, but he created a, a brand new genre of, of reality TV. He had never held elected office. And what does he do the first time he runs for elective office? He goes, he, he runs for the presidency. And not only did he win, but he defeated a candidate who everyone said was unbeatable. So he came into office very brash and uh, bypassed the media with a Twitter account. But I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, he's up against something this country has never encountered. I, I can't say the world, because uh, if you're a student of history, there was something known as the Black Plague. The Black Plague killed 25 million people. It killed one-third of the civilized world. But with the exception of Lincoln and Roosevelt and a handful of others, no president has ever been up against something like this. And I'm watching him, and it appears to me a lot of the brashness is gone, and all I can say is, had a boy, Mr. President. Stay little in your own eyes. I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not. I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee because thou hast kept the word of my patience. Watch, I will keep you in the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. So it's a synagogue. These, these are church-going people. He said, I'm going to let them know who you are. See, ladies and gentlemen, if the door isn't open yet, then we have to consider this a test. But you be faithful, he said, and I'm going to make your enemies your footstool. <laughs> Nothing makes God more powerful than when the Lord changes the landscape. Now watch what he says. I'm coming quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Listen to this verse. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out. 
I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God. And I will write upon him my new name. I, this is fascinating verses. Uh, he, he said, I'm coming. If you don't think God can do things fast, then you better take Acts 2 and verse 1 out of the Bible. And it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. This, this is, I, I like, I will, I, if you'll overcome, I will make you a pillar. I found this verse, it's in Galatians 2 and 9. And when James and Cephas or Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars. See, Peter, James and John were pillars in the church. My question to you is, what are you going to be when this episode is over? Are you going to be a champion or are you going to be a chump? Go through this so that people can look at you and go. See, every, I remember the Gulf War. I, I had never heard of this guy named Norman Schwarzkopf. But boy, it seems to me in my lifetime that every time I've seen this nation or other things around the world that were just a huge proportion, there was somebody, some nameless, previously nameless person, not known that rose to the surface. And that's my challenge to you in the church right now, what, what are you going to do through this event? I want you to be a pillar when this thing's over. I, 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 I want people, I, 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 want, I, I, I want people to say, did you hear what they did? Did, did? did you hear what they posted? So that when we do come together, and we will come together again, when we do, you'll be so glad to be in church with your brothers and sisters, but people are going to be looking at you different because you led through this event by your testimony. You can't have a testimony without a test. And what are you going to overcome? We're going to have to rise above this thing right now. You want a name? Think of, I, I, I think of our football team. If I asked you, who, who was uh, uh, the center or... Uh, if I asked you who was the right guard for the Lions, most people wouldn't be able to answer that question. But if I asked you, what's the name of the quarterback? Lots of people would be able to say, I know who that is. I know who Matthew Stafford is. And you see, a football game is a lot like a church service because there's a lot of people that go to church, but they never get dirty. They're never on the field. They never get knocked down. I, I can't tell you, our staff, when Sunday is over, a normal Sunday at this church, when it's over, we just go home and flop in bed and say, whoa. <laughs> I, 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 I used to go to a church in Houston, Texas. It was pastored by this amazing man, James Kilgore, and his fabulous wife. Her name was Ima Jean. Brother Kilgore was always so kind to the elders. There was an elderly lady that was there, and he asked her to speak to the church. And I, I'll never forget the way she ended her testimony. She said, every day is going to be Sunday by and by. And the people sitting by Sister Kilgore heard her say, oh, dear Jesus, I sure hope not. <laughs> I'm so proud of this church. We have over 80% of this church involved in some kind of ministry. And uh, uh, lots of churches, people just come to watch. 
They come to be entertained. They never know the weekly struggle of, 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 of working in a nursery or ministering to children or having a youth service that's relevant and keeps their attention. No, never going to know the, the pressure of practicing a song and praying over that song, hoping that you're in sync with the flow of the Holy Ghost during that service. On and on I can go. Well, Roosevelt, one time, Teddy Roosevelt gave a speech and he said, it's not where the doer of deeds pointed out where they could have done better. He said, it's the one that's in the arena whose face is marred with sweat and blood and tears. He said, it's the one that, that, that tried, but failed. But at least he said, far better it would be to attempt great things and be checked with failure than to be numbered among the ranks of the pitiful souls who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight between victory and defeat. Don't be an armchair quarterback right now. Don't post foolish things on the website. Don't, don't lower your verbiage. Don't live in a life of doubt. You gotta be an overcomer right now. You gotta be a witness. You need to be a pillar when this is done. So when it's over, your kids will look at you and say, so proud of my daddy. They'll remember you for the rest of their life. When David said, walk about Zion, look at those bulwarks, tell it to the walls, tell it to the generation following. What he was saying was that you'd look at your grandkids and say, my daddy helped build this. My daddy helped do that. You ever go to Washington, D.C.? They don't build memorials to people who say they couldn't get it done. They build memorials to people who said, we can do this. And that not only has to be the attitude of this early country, but it's got to be the attitude of the church. You, you want to come out of this with a name. You want to come out of this as an influencer. You want to come out of this as an overcomer. So what are you supposed to do while you're waiting on the Lord? The scripture is very clear. You're supposed to get stronger. They that wait upon the Lord need to renew their strength. See, I always thought it was backwards. I thought you would walk and then run and then fly, but that's not how it's worded. It said you'll mount up with wings as eagles, you'll run and not weary, and you'll walk and not faint. Because when you really come down to it, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to fly and it's great to run, but most of this is your walk with the Lord. And so while we're going through this episode, this test, you need to get stronger. I'm sorry to tell you that there are many, many Christians that their salvation is totally dependent upon the church service. But we don't have the luxury of that right now, so what are you going to do? You've got to stay in that word. Fill your house with good music. Fill your mind with positive things. Don't get absorbed in watching these coronavirus numbers day after day after day after day. That'll just steal your joy. The truth is, when we're done, we're going to be overcomers. And we're going to have a name that we walked with faith through this episode. Would you bow your head and let me pray over you? Lord Jesus, I have no idea where my words have gone and where this prayer is going. But I am confident, Lord, 
that you are still on the throne. The Lord, almighty, omnipotent, reigneth. You are not deposed. You're not going to abdicate. Nothing intimidates you. We are so grateful to have the resource of you in our lives right now. If by chance I'm talking to somebody that's never known you, I'm asking God, do you inspire them right now for a desire to get a depth and a real relationship with you? If by chance I'm talking to somebody that used to walk with you and went another way, then right now, Lord, let the fear that's gripping this world be the beginning of wisdom and not the beginning of their destruction. Real fear will lead people to you. And I'm asking you, God, to put a foundation beneath us, put a hedge round about us, put a canopy over us, and protect us through the power of the blood of Jesus. Call these things done. Amen. I'll see you on the other side. God bless you.